Welcome back, cultists, to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG, the podcast you hate to love. At least I hope you still you still hate to love it. Anyway, I am your host, Bernie Carrion, back again, and I am joined by my sidekick. That seems pejorative. Have I done that before? It doesn't seem right. My co-host, fine. my co-host, Adam Sink. What up, Adam? Not a lot. How is everybody doing out there in the ethers of cyberspace? So we're coming back at you. We got some uh, some podcast like role playing shit that we're gonna do right now. And uh, you may be wondering to yourself, "Yo, the fifteenth came and went. I didn't hear a new episode. What up with that, Brendan?" Well, guess what, fools? We were at OrcCon, and uh, the episode, although recorded, didn't get released. So you know you're probably gonna get like three episodes like right in a row. Back right to here back to back. so you're just gonna like you know you got some listening you can do for the upcoming next few days couple weeks or whatever until we do our next episode uh but here we are episode 65 out of order this is episode 65 and today adam and i are talking about uh some fantasy games and um but not like those fantasy games, the ones that everybody knows about and everybody plays all the time. We're talking about some maybe a little bit more off the beaten path fantasy games. Uh, but first... Hashtag hot takes. Hot takes. So, Adam, getting right to it. Buddy, uh, you been reading anything good lately? Have you been reading any role-playing games? Lately, uh, I took a break to read Necromunda stuff since we've got Necromunda League coming up. Necromunda campaign. Pay. Hashtag Necromunda is still on the horizon. But and w- one of the books that I had been reading recently was Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, which we will be talking about today. Cool, good. So, Are you enjoying the read? I am. It is quite a, a thick book. It is not uh, It is not a slim tome. No. Um, and a lot of it is really just like character classes. Um, it's a lot closer to, um, to second edition than the previous Fantasy Flight iteration was where I think they try to decrunch the system. Hmm. Hashtag takes. I don't know. We're going to have to kind of get into that one. Is yeah, a little a, bit. Is, is it a fun book to read, or is it, like, enjoyable? I like the art a lot, uh, and the character classes are, are really interesting. Um, it doesn't have a ton about the world, but, I mean, I already know enough about... Uh, Warhammer prior to Age of Sigmar. The old world. The old world Warhammer, Mordheim, all that stuff from the years I spent playing it and playing Warhammer Fantasy Battles and, you know, the old Warhammer Fantasy roleplay, um, which then Zal Weihander kind of took up the torch of. And so, you know, it if you're looking for a very OSR, you know, old school and kind of crunchy game, um, I, th- I think it's got a lot in here to like, and I'm enjoying reading just the various different character classes. Like those are always fun, right? So it's uh, fun just to be like, oh I mean, yeah, let's well, look at the, let's look at the nun. What does that do? You know, that's kind of interesting question because sometimes these games are fun to read and sometimes they aren't. Like right now I am reading a uh, cult divinity loss and I am finding that to be a very like easy breezy read. It's just like, um, 
I've heard good stuff. You just, you just, it's, it just the pages just. I don't think there's like a huge word count per page. So the pages yeah. just kind of melt. I mean, literally, I started reading it last night. And I think I'm like sixty pages into it or something already. Right. So I mean, it's like it's it's a page turner. A lot of mine literally. is interrupted reading because of kids. So when I sit down, I try to read. It's I'll, I'll read a page or two. Dad, I want a drink. Mm. Give me a water. All right, fine. You got to do. Dad, I call you. Give me a blank. And you're just like, all right, fine. And yeah, you know, just yeah. at this point where you're getting up for the fifth time and. 20 yeah. minutes and you just go god damn it. it's hard to retain anything when that's going on um yeah that's I, the thing is i've had to reread sections of this quite a bit K- kdl it, i think it was kind of interesting is at least for the part that i'm in right now right now i'm reading the archetypes which are kind of like with their version of playbooks because right i was I think, gonna say those are playbooks right yeah it's, 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 it's worth mentioning that that's a pbta game mm-hmm. although they kind of did something a little bit different and that they did not build like standardized playbooks with like dedicated playbook moves for each one they have these archetypes that are kind of cobbled together as like ready to play characters um, from a set of a la carte moves. And then there is a character creation that allows you to go through and choose your moves a la carte, completely a la carte if you want, mm. to make your own archetype or your own your own character class. Was there like a very negative reaction by the PBTA community to that? Because I know they had one to Blades in the Dark, which kind of changed up how things worked. Too. Honestly, I haven't noticed that so much. Um, Maybe they're getting used to it I th- or they're well, not paying attention to it. I, I think know. what's kind of interesting is that, that Colt doesn't seem to be making like what you call like a super huge splash rather than like vampire the masquerade fifth edition which had like a lot of what you know fans consider to be a lot of problematic content and they really kind of hit the scene hard and they're blowing up in people's faces trying to be like no we're here we're vampire we're gonna be the number two game again and so that means there were a lot of eyes on the material i feel like colt has taken this this tactic of being kind of insidious where it's like they had the kickstarter and then the kickstarter backers got their stuff and only just in the last month or so has it become available in stores, but because it's an independent game, it, it's not available in every store, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like the word on what is in the book is getting out much more slowly, and I don't know that there's a lot of people who have put eyes on it. There is part of me that thinks... It was that, also super late, like, just to be clear. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Because I mean, that was when I finally got it. I was just like, oh, yeah, here's this thing. Like, because I haven't even started reading it. You're finally getting around to reading it. We've had it for what? Six months. Six months-ish now. Yeah, yeah. And it was two years. A little less than. A little less than two years late. A so it was. two years late. That was when I finally got it. I was kind of like, all right, I guess. I'll put it on the pile and I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, I had some guys who were who asked me to, to run it and they kind of like requested it. So I was like, I was kind of in the mood where I wanted to start a new campaign and... Uh, and uh, that's kind of what brought about today's subject as I was looking through some fantasy games. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing looking at fantasy games? Right. Am I, what, kind of, what kind of perverse self-abuse is this? Well, too, when you brought it up to me, you kind of said, oh, it's fantasy games. And I went and looked at my shelf and it was, I have a lot of these fantasy games. There's so many fucking fantasy, fantasy games. games. So I guess let's get right into the meat of it. So today, um, I guess kind of what what inspired today's subject right was uh i was talking to a friend of mine named dan down at the local game store and um he he's a writer in the industry he does a lot of freelance work and he said to me uh if you want to get an idea about how other communities view role-playing he goes take a look at their best-selling role-playing game right he goes if you look at the dark eye you can kind of see how Germans look at 
uh, role playing. Right. And it was specifically like other countries, right? Right, right. Right. So I, um, I knew that there was a copy of the dark eye at the, at the, at the used bookstore. It was a brand new still in cello copy for 25 bucks. I had some trade credit, so I ran over there and scooped it, took it home and started reading this book. And, and you're flipping uh, through it at OrkCon too. You yeah, had it there. Yeah, I was, I was, I was reading it at OrkCon. And um, what kind of struck me about it was just how like, you know, bog standard it is in a certain way. And so we'll get to that specifics about that game in just a second. But what what I find to be kind of interesting is is that we have Pathfinder and we have Dungeons and Dragons. And these are we but we know that these are the kind of like the two heads of the big role playing fantasy world, right? Everybody everybody starts off playing fantasy and they usually at this day and age they start off playing one of these two games, fifth edition or, or Pathfinder. Um, but then there are a number of other games that are doing that same kind of marketing principle where they are giving you a more or less asterisk kind of generic fantasy system and then they're giving you a big traditional line like there's going to be a bunch of hardcover books and a bunch of smaller soft cover uh, supplements for you to collect and, and, and the process of immersing yourself in that world and collecting the line is going to be something that you're going to put a few years into and, 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 and a fair number of dollars too, right? So I was kind of wondering, like, how do these people hope to operate inside of this niche? Like, doesn't it seem like the big dogs have already taken the, the seat there? I'm mixing metaphors, but doesn't it seem like the big dogs already have, like, their share of the kill? You know, it's kind of weird, right? So I thought maybe you and I would sit down and we kind of go through some of these games and we'd see kind of what's in them. What do you yeah, think? Sounds good. I mean... Maybe they want to be like the little Remoras, right? They don't need the big kill. They just need to feed off the cast-offs from the the main kill, right? Like, they want to get the, the build a smaller community. Well, don't you think that if you were trying to do that, A, you wouldn't be putting out very expensive, full-color hardback books, and B, you'd try to have a take that is something that you can't get in Dungeons & Dragons, or Pathfinder. You but is full-color yeah. hardback books what the audience expects? Like, is that what they buy? Because, you know, there are games and even fantasy game lines that don't do giant books. They do the little digest size ones. Yeah, yeah, mostly OSR stuff. OSR and stuff and Burning stuff. Wheel. And, and, it's, and do they do that much better for it? I don't know. I don't well, think they do. I think you could make a case that they are offering a more niche experience and they aren't like trying to be up in that world of, whoa, look at us, collect everything. For instance, if you look at Dungeon Crawl Classics, that that line is on some level the OSR version of a big D&D type game where it's like full color. It's not full color though. The yeah, full, it's not it's, full it's color. Hard, it's hardback, hardback, hard. black and white, but it's a big fat book and then a ton, a ton of supplements. Of little, yeah, a ton of those little individual adventures and good luck collecting all of them. There's like a billion of There's them. There's a billion you know? of them. Yeah, you could spend your whole life trying to dig all those things up, you know? Yeah, I think Goodman Gates has carved out a good niche for themselves though. Like they have a very fiercely devoted fan base like sure. rabidly devoted oh, yeah. fan base no doubt that is impressive like i'm you know i see these dcc judges and it's like and all of their um their little accoutrements and all of the adventures they put out and just the passion behind that community and it's very impressive but again at, the, at its core it's an osr community 
You know, it's not what you would call mainline fantasy, and they are very specifically all about like Appendix N, and they've got this kind of swords and sorcery kind of like outlook, and like you start talking to those guys, you better know about Robert E. Howard and Jack Vance and Michael Moorcock. Oh, for sure. And, that's, and I don't I don't think you need to know about that shit to play these games. I don't the, think you do. I, so, I'm slapping a pile of books. Yeah, the games. We should talk about the games that we're that we are going to discuss. Well here here, let, let I, I would like I would posit that we mm-hmm. should start on a spectrum which is nearest to the Dungeons and Dragons experience and then proceed Fair into enough. the outer realm. Let's so do you, that. So you and I both up, have cl- clued on to the first game. The first one is 13th Age. 13th, 13th Age. Age is actually authored by two people. Two of the principal authors were uh, also authors on 4th edition D&D. And, and, and the, 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 the urban legend is that this is the game they wanted to write for 4th edition, but they were prohibited from doing so by wizards. Correct. Right? And so, 13th Age, what, let's, I guess first, what does it do differently than D&D? Well, I'd, I'd kind of like to take a second and like describe the artifact a little bit. So, here we have 13th Age Core Book, 4495, it's from Pelgrane. This is kind mm. of a little bit different for Pelgrane um It's hard offering. cover. It's the Archmage engine. And it's uh, 320 full color glossy pages of fantasy fantasy game now adam you are very conversant in this game you've run the shit out of this thing, i have right? run a ton of 13th age i ran it for our group because people were looking for a D style game mm-hmm. and we were not going to run D at our group mm-hmm. so i said all right to kind of ease everybody into this let's start with 13th age <laughs> let's start with something that's kind of like not D D, right. not D. it's it's yeah it's D, but not really it's still heroic role-playing um you know, the one thing about 13th Age that I always harp on is, is like the covers and the art. They're not great. They're a little weird. They're weird. They don't really speak to me. I don't I don't care for them very much. Um, they don't get your blood up. You know what I'm saying? They don't make you want to like fucking freak out and start right. playing. And I mean, the first thing you open it up and it's the Dragon Empire and it's a map. Which everybody's familiar with getting a map in a role playing book. The, like, big, the big full color map full of kind of mm-hmm. generic shit that you would find in a fantasy role-playing game right like right. basically like all the tropey areas are in this setting right and the very first thing it launches into is the icons now because that's their one of their big focuses of how we're different we've got these icons and the icons tie into your character honestly man i think the icons is the fucking best part of this because this is what sold me on 13th age mm-hmm. i would not have given a shit about 13th age if it wasn't for the icons. clearly they agree with you because they put them front and center before character creation before anything else are the icons but i don't mind the icons i like them it's just they kind of take the place of the gods in D, right thing, well hang on hang on i don't i don't know if i disagree with that if, if i agree with that because first of all first of all to your point they did put it right up front but it's like 10 pages it's yeah, it's, it's not like, it's, it's not like long pages it's, it's not a, a whole very lot. breezy read and they, they're they're all very archetypal they're all interesting see, like and, there's not one that i don't like Right, and, and and that's the thing is I don't think that they are the gods. They are just like the tropey meta characters that define the hierarchy of powers of every fantasy setting. Like every like okay, you got these different icons. You got the archmage, mm-hmm. the dwarf king, the orc lord, the lich king, and they, they these are like 
it, the the way that the icons work, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is that is that there are people who occupy these archetypes in the setting, and then if one of them dies or is destroyed or something within a certain amount of time, they'll be replaced. That like ecological niche, like someone else will rise to assume that position in the setting. Kind of, sorta. I mean, they essentially exist to, uh, and they give you a big icon alignment chart. They exist to occupy. Uh, a spot of icon or, or of uh, of the alignment chart, right? So it's like, yeah. oh yeah, if you're going to be, you know, a lawful good guy, right? Like a lawful good dude, then the great gold worm, that's the icon for you. Mm-hmm. Too much like if you're going to be a lawful good guy um, in D&D, uh, you know. You're, you're going to worship Bahamut. But you're going to worship Bahamut or Paylor, you know? Uh-huh. And, and so that's where I see them as working like the gods. You know, are they gods? I, I Not necessarily. That. The three kind of are gods. The um, the great gold worm kind of. You know, there's a, some of them that are godlike, and then some of sure. them are just like sure. dudes, right? Like They're, the orc yeah. lord's just a dude, and there's always going to be an orc lord. And if an orc lord gets killed, which happens all the time, a new one rises up. Right. Very games workshoppy with like the wa and all that. You know, if the the archmage has kind of always been around, he's the archmage, but the emperor changes. The Crusader, I think, has changed. And, and well, I mean, and that's and those are details for this particular setting. They do sell you this kind of what I consider to be like too banal for words, kind of like baked in setting at the back of this book. The the what's it called, the Dragon Empire, or right? Something. And, and I, what I will say, I about, really don't like it. What I will say about Thirteenth Age, what drew me to Thirteenth Age, what I like about Thirteenth Age is it's D and D, but with like the weird dialed up. Right, like, it does have that because it's Pelgrain. So the weird is dialed way up, and so you get that thing like Eyes of the Stone Thief. It's a living dungeon, like it's a dungeon that's going around the countryside, eating towns and treasures, yeah. and then you can go inside the dungeon and fight your way through it. And there's stuff inside of it, but it's still like this living thing. Right, like the dungeon is not like a metaphorical monster. It is right. a literal, it is a monster. literal actual monster going through the countryside eating stuff. Yeah, and, it travels, and so that's. A lot of the cool stuff, you know, and then you get like in um, 13 True Age, you get like, oh, the Chaos Mage. Right. There's new archetypes and stuff yeah. we, we, and weird characters in there. And weird character classes. And, you know, I mean, you're going to get your standard character classes in this game. There's a bard. Well, before we move on to the character classes, I'd just like to say that you could you could buy this game and you could sit here and look at these icons and you could build your own setting just by filling in the like NPCs, major NPCs to all of these icons right you don't have to use their setting it's right right and honestly the setting is like you said it's not super inspiring it's kind of eh so it's there like every character class this will kind of segue into whenever you make a character you have to choose which kind of icon you're aligned to and that doesn't mean that you worship them or that you even know them Mm -hmm. it's just that you are doing something in the adventuring world that is kind of working to forward their paradigm or forward it you can have negative icon relationships yeah exactly that is true you can have negative icon relationships and then that will provoke things happening in the game like you can call upon them to help you or they can like send like ring wraith type things and shit to like hinder you mm-hmm. and when i gotta say man when i read the icon rules i bought the game after I read the icon rules because they're so fucking cool now we move into the part that is basically just character, character classes. creation and, and this is where i kind of started losing my connection it's to it. basically D. 
It's D&D. It's, and that is why if anyone is interested in getting 13th Age or wants to pursue 13th Age, I would recommend that when you pick up 13th Age, you get 13 True Ways. Because you're going to get much more interesting character classes out of that. Book. Yeah, you get some cool character classes. There's a there. lot more neat stuff that you can do with 13 True Ways. I, you know, if you get this one, it's like, okay, there's a dwarf barbarian. Seen that before. There's, right. You know, there's a... You know, a halfling bard. You get your standard spread of um, of uh, like species. They I guess call, in this they, one, they, they're they're uh, yeah, no, they're halflings. There's halflings they they call them races. That word is kind of falling out of use, and now um, the preferred term I think is to call these species. Mm-hmm. But um, so you get your your bog standard kind of like Tolkien esque ones. Yep. And then you have some like ones in here for the people who are like super into playing anthropomorphic shit. Like you've got a dragon guy and you've got a like a, a robot guy and you've got a demon guy. Elves, um, you've got high elves, dark elves, wood elves. You got the basic stand and the dark elves look like drow. Sure, sure. Yeah, every, everything is very intuitive if you kind of know your way around this sort of thing. Right. And so, you know, what what separates this from D&D, yeah, right? Like, why would you question. get this over buying D&D? Because, and here's, and here's my problem with 13th Age, is that the character classes themselves are just incredibly crunchy. It's 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 a lot like 4th E mm-hmm. D&D, where every class gets a series of its, like, own maneuvers and, like, the change as you level up, and your character class is, like, seriously baked in, like, like what what's going to happen to you over the course of the game is just, like, baked into those pages that describe your class. Right. And it's, like I said, it's weird. Like, you play these things and magic items are there, but they're weird, right? Like, they have quirks. And so, in my game, you know, one of the magic items was it like, oh, yeah, when you have this magic item and you're wielding it, like, you sing battle songs, you know? And it's like, okay, okay. Like, I gotta, I gotta, like, sing battle songs now whenever I'm, like, wielding my Warhammer or whatever. I, all right, sure. Um, and so... That's where the weirdness of it comes in. It, it does have that escalation die to keep combats from bogging down, which was always yeah, a problem in fourth edition where, you know, every round after the first, you put out this D six and you rotate an additional plus one until you get to six. And that's a bonus you get on all attacks and all damage. Monsters don't get it. Only heroic characters do. And, you know, it's very focused on PC advancement, PC heroic, you know, heroicism, her- heroic actions, um, and making sure that the PCs are successful, right? The PCs are going to kill monsters, they're going to take their loot. That's baked into the DNA of this game. This is not an OSR style game. This is not a brutalist type of role-playing game. It is not simulationist. It wants you to go out and you know, do great things and be the savior of the world and, you know, be a really cool adventurer guy. Yeah, it definitely has that kind of like ethos, right? Where it's like, you are the central characters, Mm -hmm. you are the action heroes, no one's going to fade you while you are playing the character, right? right? That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. And, you know, our group, my group, seem to really enjoy their time with it. They really like playing it, and I several of them asked, oh, when are we going to get back and play 13th Age again? And I ended up running 13th Age again for them, and it went well. It's fun. It's a fun game. I would say that this game has a cult. Like, there are people who are fanatical about it. Um, why would you play this game rather than D&D? 
What is it that what, what, if you were going to sit down and you had a D and D five book in front of you and you had a thirteenth age book? Why would you choose thirteenth age? This, as I said, is weirder and it puts more narrative stuff into it than D and D has. Mm-hmm. Rather than a million skills, you get like an occupation, and so you pick these things and you're like, oh, I was in the army, and then anytime something comes up where you could relate being in the army to it you can use that bonus on that role, right? So it's a background. It's it's backgrounds instead of skills. And it does all these little fun little tweaks that kind of make it more narrative than D&D is. And so you don't have to go, oh, I'm going to you know, roll to use rope, right? You can go, oh, well, I was, um, I was a pirate as a background. So I should know how to run up rigging and do all these things. So I'm going to roll for my pirate skill on this or my pirate background on this. And I like that. And I think there's a lot of narrative goodness in there. You know, it's still going to be D&D like experience It's still going to be fairly crunchy. Combat is still going to be standard style D&D Pathfinder combat. You're going to want a battle map, even though they tell you, oh, there's, you know, close, near and, and far. And those are the only ranges you need to care about. It's it's you still need you still probably need a battle map to run it because hmm. there is still opportunity attacks and all these other things. Oh, and we've had that conversation attacks. where it's. You know, oh, well, I, I move away in such a way that I don't provoke an opportunity attack. You know, what's interesting is, okay. you know, Adam and I, when we were at Orcon, we were talking to a um, a developer for Pathfinder, and we were talking to her about her um, uh, Pathfinder game that she runs. Mm-hmm. It's, it's her main game. She runs a lot of Pathfinder. And uh, I asked her if she uses battle map, and she said she doesn't. She it's goes, a theater of the mind. She goes, Complete theater of the mind. And I said, yeah, but then if the com- players are all going to complain all the time about like, oh, well, I, I ran around, I don't take an attack of opportunity. She says, I just give it to them. Mm-hmm. If they say, I positioned myself in such a way that I don't take an attack of opportunity, I don't give it to them. And I thought, that was fucking baller. That yeah, was a fucking was baller really brilliant. Move. Yeah, I got to say, it was just like really cool to see like somebody um, taking it there because those games are so crunchy and to see somebody playing it in this very non-crunchy manner was, uh, I mean, I, I got to say it was pretty inspiring. Yeah, for sure. I thought that was a really interesting take on it because yeah, you know, I'm right? sitting there going, I just never thought that that's a thing you could do. <laughs> yeah, I was rule say that. Yeah, and that was... Well, I mean, the thing is, is the kind of guys that we play with, the kind of people we play with are like... Are very rules book punchy. They yeah, do that thing they where do. they get their finger they out are, and they're jabbing it into the I, book. I took a feat that says blah, blah, and if you take that away from me, you're you're, you're hindering my character. Any right. is so on to the next thing. We got uh, the next game that we're going to talk about is the Dark Eye. Dark Eye. So I don't own this. You do. Yeah, this is the one that I own. That's the German one, right? That's the European correct. one. So, so it's from another country, and we're going to see what they're taking on role-playing is because well, I've heard mixed things I, I mean look I, I haven't read this thing comprehensively I can't sit here and give you like a thumbs up thumbs down review a lot of this is gonna be based just kind of on impressions that I have from like reading different parts of it I remember when the Kickstarter for this came out I remember it was kickstarted and I passed on it because the Kickstarter like the images that they were showing just seemed kind of weirdly lackluster the imagery the the pictures that they were drawing were obviously very well rendered but they just seemed kind of like weirdly boring right so it's then, still better than 13th age like, oh yeah. the art is better than 13th <laughs> age let's just throw that yeah. out there right off the bat it's really true i want to be very uh, clear like it's 100 picture true. on the back is cool of the barbarian yeah the the cover is better than the cover of 13th age at least it's kind of intriguing you sort know of, oh, yeah right? this is weirdly intriguing yeah i mean i can't argue i cannot argue that now okay so the um 
So then they released a uh, quick start for free RPG day and I got it and I was like, oh, this stinks. I was like, this is, this is terrible. I'm so glad I didn't kickstart it. Right. So then I got, you know, I had this like credit at the used bookstore. I picked one up for free. Uh, we're looking at uh, The Dark Eye. It's a core book, uh, $49.99 from Ulysses North America. Again, full color, uh, glossy pages. This one comes in at a freaking juicy 414 pages of rules shit that you're going to have to learn to play this fucking game. There is not much in here about um, the realm that you're playing in. Uh, there is a very small bestiary. It is almost not worth mentioning. Unlike 13th Age, which I should say, they, there is a fairly hefty page count dedicated to the uh, the Atlas and to the bestiary in the 13th Age core book. This game, they skimped on those. When you're talking 414 pages, you're talking 414 pages of um, like weird character classes, uh, uh, advantages, weapons spells casting actions all kinds of weird shit so um there's chapter 12 on page 337 detailed rules that's the name that's the name of the chapter so um this game has kind of a pedigree uh it's known for being the best-selling game in uh germany they've tried to bring it over to america a couple times this is its most successful iteration it has a large number of source books that are out. And I have to say, man, um, flipping through it, I did not feel bad that I had passed on it previously. Uh, it's so, I'm sorry, it's just so generic that it's almost boring. It's like, it's like painfully generic. It's like, I mean, I, I, I totally get where it comes from, right? Because somebody in Germany had some D&D books, and they wanted to run D&D for their friends, but D&D wasn't being translated into German or something, right? So they wrote their own game, and they were like, well, let's just make this as kind of close to D&D as we possibly can. Now, it does have this kind of German guy take to it where it's almost kind of aimed more at people who are hanging out at a Renaissance festival than at people who are hanging out at like a Star Trek convention, right? It's the the um, sort of like over-the-topness of the setting has been dialed way back, which is kind of something we've been seeing more in like Dungeons and Dragons and in Pathfinder. Things have been getting like really epic and really crazy, right? And this is a bit more subdued and it feels a bit more kind of like one of those early episodes of games game of thrones where it's a bunch of like medieval medieval white guys walking around talking about talk, like like hither sooth yon wench you bring me a lamb chop i mean it's like that kind of shit you know what i'm saying like it's just kind of like eh, not great another thing that has has been this book has been criticized for is like and i don't know if like full metal rpg is going to become like social commentary all the time type show maybe maybe not but uh, this book has been criticized for being, like, outrageously white, and it really is. I mean, my God. On the front, you got this sorceress chick who looks like Kat Von D, and then, like, every single person in here is, like, uh, super blindingly white dudes. There's a couple kind of, like, Middle Eastern-looking people, but the... Um, the realm that they give you, the, like, painfully generic like fantasy continent that, that has like a bunch of kind of like uh you know um uh 
like not Arabia, not Vikings. You know what I'm saying? It's about um, the same for Thirteenth Age, though. I mean, because Thirteenth Age is a lot of. Well, we. I mean, the thing is, is that Thirteenth Age actually has a bunch of like like art mm-hmm. that shows like weird monsters and weird characters that are painted in strange colors. Right. These are like portraits of an in, an intensely like Anglo-centric, Eurocentric world. This is true. You're, this is true. And if that's not, I mean, I mean, here's the thing: is it's like you open up D and D five, right? And there's like black dudes, and there's like black ladies in there, just in the, in the core classes. And you're not going to find that in this book. Yeah, you're, that you're was a change that, that started happening after three five, right? It's, they started injecting well, more of that, and it, they kind of got the message around fifth edition to to really do that up. And yeah, get, to their credit, to their credit, yeah. Um, so one of the kind of like mechanical features that makes this game sort of interesting, and this this is where I like it. This is the thing about it I really like, okay? Is that, okay, so everything still tests off a D20, which it seems to be kind of a common theme for most of these books, is that they're kind of obsessed with the, the statistical randomness of the D20. Um, this one, you make all of your tests off a series of D20. You might roll like multiples at the same time, and you're trying to roll like a bunch of equal to or under a stat. But then, depending on the kind of like test that the GM is kicking to you, you might have to roll equal to or under on multiple dice at the same time. And if one of those dice fails, then the test is a failure. So it's like testing with disadvantage or advantage yeah where it's okay you have to succeed on both of these dice if you want to succeed right um and and, uh what's kind of cool is that they use that to uh sort of make it so you don't have to have a skill system like uh you have more um like like skills are based more on attributes and then making these kind of roles where you combine attributes than it is on like having a long list of uh, of, of skill types, right? Like uh, that you have to level up okay. all the time. Then kind of interestingly, and I know I had said character classes previously, and I said that because I was looking at these like sample characters. They've got a lot of sample characters in here that you could, you know, look like a splat of a character class. But really mm. the game is a point buy. Mm. And I do like that because I hate classes. I just fucking hate them at this point in my life. Um, they really bum me out. I, there's almost no um, there's almost no fantasy games that have uh, uh, what you would call like uh, point buys. Most of them are most of them are class based, and so to find one that is so like rich and engaging um, is really cool. Is the point by system fussy? It looks like it's intensely fussy. Yeah, that's because that was another Euro game that we had that was a fantasy game that I'm thinking about was Anima, and that was that was, a Euro game. Yeah, that was out of a. Ugh. That was out of I can't remember Spain or something like that. Um, and that game was just really super fussy, and it was very point by, and I could never crack that one. Like I remember spending a lot of time because I really liked the anima tactics miniatures and i thought the world was pretty intriguing and i just could never get into it i tried really hard and i couldn't understand just combat which was you know the basic foundation of pretty much any fantasy game right is there's going to be combat at some point 
you know, every, all the pictures are people with bows and swords and stuff. And you're just going, okay, I can't crack this though. How am I supposed to do this? How do I make this work? Oh, dude, that game was like labyrinthine. I don't know how anybody would play that game. We have a guy in our group who's a big anime fan, Justin. Justin, Justin yeah. loves anime, and he, I, and he knows a lot about it. And he's, oh yeah, once you figure it out, and I was like, man, dude, I, I almost want to sit down with him sometime and just be like, all right, let's just do an anime character creation and play a one shot because I want to see how this game works. I still have the book. Oh, you still have I it. I still have anima. It's like it sits every time. It's a gorgeous book, and the art's beautiful. But every time I go to, I'm just like, I can't. I, I I just can't bring myself to part with it for some reason. Wow, that's interesting. Mine's long gone. Long yeah. gone. Oh, I'm sure. Holy I never fuck, got I, any of the supplemental material, and that, that whole system. line is dead. It is. Oh, because yeah. Because apparently the laptop with all the master copies of everything got stolen at a gaming convention, <laughs> and it's just gone now. They don't have it anymore. They can't make the miniatures. They can't do anything with that, it. That was it. before cloud storage. It was before, apparently, yes. It was before, apparently, find my Mac, so they can work on that. <laughs> Where is it? Who has my Mac? Well... To kind of wrap things up on the dark eye, it seems like it's a good game, just in general. Uh, I don't know why you'd play it other than D&D. Like, I just really don't. I think Ulysses Spiel has taken a huge gamble by pushing this into the market. Um, I suspect that they are running it as a loss leader. I suspect that they are keeping the price down on their production, not only by by supplementing it with Kickstarters, but also by just translating books over from German that were already essentially written. And so they're trying to like, so, 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 so the, the development cost is lower on some of these books. If it's kickstarting, it's got to have some kind of a fan base. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I guess there's got to be people out there who the, like it. The thing they're is, back well, in the Kickstarters. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Okay. So it's like, sure. You're, if you have like a, if you have a dedicated cult somewhere, they can keep a game going for a while, but is it like if if I'm like you know Joe Noob role player and I show up and I'm all like, huh, the Dark Eye or D and D five, like which one am I gonna choose? Of course I'm gonna choose D and D five because it's like more um, recognizable and on some level it's much more accessible. But like, say that there's someone standing next to this guy and he's like, he's like, hey man. I know everybody's telling you to play D&D 5, but you should really look at the dark eye. Like, what What sells this over D&D 5? What kind of blows me away, though, is the production value on it so high. It and it's beautiful. got custom art. It's beautiful. Whereas something like Low Fantasy Gaming, you know, which is Kickstarter and everything else is, oh, yeah, here's the cover. It's, it's um, I got the art from a, you know, royalty-free collection pack. A lot of the interior art's royalty-free. Sure. I, you know, I paid an artist to do drawings of the of the classes, but otherwise, most of the art in that is just, oh yeah, I got a royalty free art set. <laughs> yeah. and I'm including it in, in this book. It's true, it's true. But you guys have so much fun playing that. We do. I'm sure. I'm sure that if you someone was to ask you, like, hey man, what sells this game? You could just go off because you guys have had so much fun playing it. But I'm looking at uh, this. I don't know. I think a lot of it's the, the GM we have though too. You know, I think he's putting a lot into it. No, there's no doubt about that. Right, in my and mind. so that's the He's thing. Is if someone comes up to me, Adam, why should I go low fantasy gaming? I'm like, I, I'm, eh, I don't really know. Like, we just got a really great dynamic. I, I can't sell you the book. Well, I would say it's cheap as fuck. It that's, is cheap. That's as the first hell. thing that's, I would that's, say. That it's is cheap the as thing. Fuck. But you can't really go too wrong. This but if somebody's coming free. up to me and go, Adam, I have D and D already. Why should I buy that book? I'm gonna. I, I don't know. 
Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why you should buy that book. Well, that's basically my answer for the Dark Eye. I don't know why you should buy this, guys. Uh, if somebody out there is a huge Dark Eye fan and they want to get at me and like, let me know what the best thing about Dark Eye is, please do. Okay, so next. Coming up next. Oh, oh, oh I, think, I think that one that you're holding should come last. I think. Oh, the, you want to do this, this one last? This one. Yeah, because right. the, the one that you're holding is the one that's furthest from the center. Fair enough. The next one that we're going to talk about then coming up next, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. Fourth edition. Fourth edition. It's got Games Workshop, Cubicle 7 Games. It is $60. It's the Woo! priciest of the books so far. Uh, the cover art and the back are gorgeous. I love the back. Um, it puts you right into the old world. It's got that really pretty map, and it clocks in at a whopping 345 pages. You know, you that's not the too bad. Sheet. Um, it's, it's big. It's thick. It's full color. Sure. Um, the paper is very nice. It's got these really nice kind of washed out faded patina maps of glorious Reichland and the old world. You open it up. I mean, it sucks you right in. It's got fiction. It's got all of these pictures that are very evocative of Warhammer and the Warhammer world. And right away, it just takes you into character creation. It's like, all right, we're going to tell you a little bit about the world, but we just assume you kind of already know about it. Here's the sheet, and then here's character creation. And the thing about this one is you can randomly generate your entire character and all your stats, and you get XP bonuses for doing so. What? That's fucking crazy. Or Seriously? you can also pick stuff. So you can randomly generate some stuff, pick some stuff, do a mix match, pick everything. Oh, I dig the fuck out of that. That's a team member innovation, and, and that so is good. It's crazy. Like, the stuff that you can do is insane. The way that you can just totally random style your character, or you can go, you know what? You can even randomly generate your name if you want. See, see, Adam has Wolferp, and I... I have the dark eye. So Adam's got way more experience with this. And this is what you're currently reading, right? This is Adam? what I am currently reading. So I'm not super deep into it. I'm into the classes. And I want to say the furthest I got in was like, like 80 pages. I know I didn't get to witch hunter. I didn't get to flagellant. Cause I was looking to, to read that one. Yeah. I, th- I want to say I stopped right around hedge, Witch, who's page 78. Um, and there are classes in here like grave robber and beggar. The old school shit. That was yeah, a, that was the old, old school, school stuff. shit. That was that was the, that's what that's one of the things that gives Wolferp its like its sauciness. Right. And then there's the ones like bounty hunter, scout. You know, there's these martial kind of classes, and there's classes that are not martial at all. Um, and you can switch between classes as you go. So it's like, oh yeah, my grave robber. Like he decided that now. Uh, because he was doing all this grave robbing stuff. Now he's going to become a smuggler. Now, like, does now it, he's going to work as a smuggler. Does it have the career exits system? Like it, it has a to? career path. And so um, as you advance your um, in your career path, uh, you start reaching like different levels. And those let you buy different things. So you have to get your like your um your relevant attribute up, right? Like get an advance in that, and then you can start advancing in your career path. And so it, there's like a silver or a bronze, a silver, and a gold advance that you can take in each career path. 
Okay. Or you can just switch careers. You can just go, but, you know what, I'm going to be a Can you switch thief. careers to any career, or does it give you a list that you have to choose from when you switch out? Because in second edition, mm-hmm. and I think in first edition, you had to do that. Like, you couldn't go from grave robber to, like, toll booth collector or whatever. You had to go, it was like, if you wanted to become a toll booth guy, you had to work your way through a series of things that would lead to it. I think there are certain requirements for each class. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, if you want to switch, you have to at least meet those requirements. No, oh, okay. Well, that's just like yeah, it's like bog standard type. Yeah, shit. you can't just be like, ah, I'm just gonna be a witch hunter. I'm gonna go from beggar to witch hunter. There, there's some stuff that you that you're gonna have to do first, um, and you do have to meet certain advancement goals before you can start. Now the art in this is fucking off the chain. Right, the like, art is really cool. There's like a troll slayer fighting a squig, which is really neat. Of and, of all the books we've looked at, it has clearly the best art. Clearly, right. And then I, how, how do you feel about the interior design? Is it like easy to read? Or I like it? it. It's got about a billion sidebars, which I find personally mm, very grating. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, hey, here's the, you know, they tag them with these little wax seal things, so you can kind of pick them out. But I mean, it's like it's very hard to. Then that's a lot of tables. Like there, you're just gonna there's just tables. If you're playing with her, you're getting tables. You better like tables. So I really kind of want to see the the screen. Like, what does the screen look like for this? Because it's got to be massive just to deal with all these tables. But I mean, you can go through here and it's, I've only hit a couple pages so far flipping through it that don't have either a table or a sidebar well, tacked into it. What's kind of interesting is with this particular iteration of the game, they decided to cleave much more closely to the second edition in the redesign mm-hmm. than, the, than the abortive third edition did. Yeah, the third edition was simplified. This one's uh, a percentile system. Yeah, I don't know so it's it not a D20. It's not a D20 at all. Well, they claimed it was simplified. Yeah, I don't know if that was all that simple. Right. So this one doesn't use the D20 like the other games that we've looked at so far. So it's broken from that path, which right. means you're going to fail a lot because having sure. a 35 in a skill is pretty good. Um. And that means if when you're making a roll, 65% of the time, you ain't hitting it, right? Or 64, because I guess you hit on 35, you hit it. But I mean, that, that gets to my point, which is that this is a contemporary redesign of an OSR game with OSR fundamentals baked into it. Mm-hmm. So it's a new game that's also an OSR game. And uh, that means it's tabley, it's random, mm-hmm. and it's punishing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this is a, a brutal game. Um, very. It, it looks like it will be very, very hard. So, um, so what? Okay, so I, I would imagine. I would just imagine, right? If you were trying to sell this game to some to some noob, what sells the game is the setting. What sells the game is the setting and the low, like low street level fantasy grid of it. Right? You're not playing, you know, Balthazar the Paladin who has come to right the wrongs of the world. You're playing a guy who's by, you know, by. Steel and in his flintlock pistol or whatever else he has is out to uh, make some coin, right? Like you're you're out there <laughs> yeah. to, to to get some gold. Yeah, you're out there man. to get paid. You need to buy a fucking hot pie, and you don't have enough bronzes, man. You don't have enough fucking bronzes yeah, to buy you a need, fucking hot pie, right? You need the ones with the pictures of Sigmar on. You need that <laughs> coin of Sigmar, on, and you got to go out and you got to get that coin. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what this game really excels at. It's ultra low level it's like street level grit mordheim yeah. type of stuff it's fucking grimdark it's, it's like grimdark you know you come in here have his teeth you come in here and you want to go out and you're like you know i want to fight a 
I want to fight a, a dragon. You're not fighting a dragon. No. There's one in the bestiary. You're not fighting a dragon. Don't you're fight not fighting dragon. this case quick. You're going to fight a pigeon. Or you're going to fight. <laughs> yeah, they put the stats for pigeon, yeah, in, there, a pigeon huh? in there. And it shows this like mottled yep. looking pigeon like it's about to fall mm. apart. Yeah, you're going to fight a hilarious. snake. You know, you're not going to fight a crazy hydra. Are you kidding me? A manticore? Dude, That's dude. straight out. All right. So I, I don't know. I'll fight told, a goblin. I've probably told this story on this show before, but like when I first started running Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, it was the second edition and it was on some level the first like old school role playing game I had really run. And I certainly didn't understand that it was supposed to be an old school role playing game. I didn't understand what that meant, right? I, if somebody had confronted me with that concept, I would have been like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. This is a brand new game. I just bought it to the store, right? So anyway, I was trying to tell the make the players do all this shit like you would do in a in a traditional game, and they had to sneak into a uh, thieves hideout by climbing on the roof, and everybody had like climb at like twenty percent, which means they have fall off the roof at eighty percent, right? And I had to sit there and I'm like watching people just like tumbling off this like three story building to their deaths, and I'm like I put them in this situation. This was my fault, and that was really where I kind of learned like where the rubber hits the road on these fucking like old school games it's like you cannot stack the deck against the players you cannot put them in these untenable situations you have to you, be very liberal with bonuses yeah you oh be, yeah you're climbing well, this roof it's like ram there's handholds and yeah, stuff exactly. so you're gonna get like a plus 40 on this roll you and you have to be cognizant of like what they're capable of and you also have to understand that like baked into the setting is this idea that it's a gritty world where people are gonna get like chewed up and spat out you know so if you put them in situations where that's gonna fucking happen it's gonna fucking happen you know yeah you're not a bretonian knight you're just some chud who's <laughs> like <laughs> off the street it's just oh, all right man. Yeah. time to go kill some stuff yeah I hope, I, I hope there's some coppers and it's fetid nest and that's what's so great about about warhammer fantasy role play is it's i mean like because if you've ever played warhammer you've seen all the like if you look through a fucking army book you've seen the images of what the empire looks like so you, you you know if you've looked at the models you get an idea of like the fashion in a certain way so it's very 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 easy to picture it you know um i mean obviously i don't own this book but like it doesn't take much to sell it to me i flipped through adam's copy for like two seconds and i was like oh yeah i gotta own this i I like why why do i not own this yet i'm a fucking i think it's cool i like it it's gonna be around you're gonna be able to find it right now there's not a ton out for it i will say the launch for wrath and glory had much more stuff come out with it uh than this did yeah but i look at this i feel like this is all you need to play I feel like you could get started right with this because cause just like you were saying, what are you going to do? You ain't going to go fight a fucking Jabberwocky or some shit. You're going to fight be, a skeleton. You're going to go You're gonna go out into the woods and there's going to be some brigands out there who are like, you know, oi, get out of the woods and then you're going to fight them. You know what I'm saying, right? And probably two characters are going to die when that happens. You know? I mean, like, that's... Yeah, that, you're going to lose a lot of people if you decide to go into combat in this game. But I mean, I, I like looking at the bestiary, were there even Skaven in there? There had to be. There had to be Skaven. You can't have Warhammer Fantasy roleplay without Skaven. There's some Skaven in there, dude. Yeah. There's some there's some stuff on Glorious Right Behind in the back. It's just setting information wise, it's a little thin. It, it's not necessarily a problem if you're familiar with Warhammer like we are and we know the world pretty well. Um there's just so much there though. If you come into this not knowing anything about Warhammer, you're gonna need to hit up the wiki to do some research to understand Warhammer proper. 
I mean, I think that there's this kind of interesting idea, like that we are very like knowledgeable of Warhammer. And what oh, but we we're about. not even that knowledgeable compared to some of these guys. No, no, that's not true. Because there are people out there who, who are I'm, deep into the Warhammer I'm, weeds. I'm not going to try and flex on somebody for who's who sat there and like memorized the fucking like Felix and Gotrek goddamn books. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to say that at all. What I just mean is, is that like we have already been sold the idea and we've already bought the idea numerous times over. Now, if we were trying to like... If, if, if we were trying to get some noob to role play with us, somebody who's like, oh, yeah, I watched Critical Role. Can I role play with you guys? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, come play Warhammer Fantasy role play with us. Like, do would they, I don't know that they would really be getting what they were trying to buy into, right? It's, yeah, this, the thing about Warhammer is it's going to be a tough sale. Um, you either love Warhammer or... Uh, really you kind of don't like there's a lot of people who don't like warhammer and who don't like this punishing percentile based system and are, i want to be a hero and they don't like the grimdark thing and that mm-hmm. is the thing about the two previous games is that they both proceed from the concept of heroic characters right who are out to sort of like protect slash fix the world and the tagline on this is a grim world of perilous adventure yeah yeah, man. And the same with Zweihander. I think Grim and Perilous is in Zweihander as well. You got to get down into the sewer and find that gold coin that you dropped in there, and it's like lodged in a turd, <laughs> but there may be other stuff down there that will eat you. Yeah, there's still only three Skaven in here. One of them's a rat ogre that you're never going to fight, but it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's like, all right, there's clan rats. I mean, you could run it if you want you to. You could run the shit out of this thing. I bet, I, I promise you that... that you could run just with your knowledge of the of the old world. You could run a campaign of this with just this core book, and if you felt like you were underprepared for it, you could grab one of the old books that has a little adventure in it or something, and kind of and tool it up tool with, without you any could, You could certainly do that as long as you can find the old books because they're kind of hard to come by. Unless you're me and you got a ton of them. Yeah, well, hey, because you, pro- you pulled the hall out of half price. That books. is true, and <laughs> I would say that the value of those second edition books has actually been going down a little bit since this is. It has, out. yeah, because they're, they're a bit more accessible now. Yeah, they're a little bit they're a little bit easier to come by, but. I got them cheap, so I'm not too worried about it. That brings us to the last tome. The last book that you might consider if you're trying to get into a game that's not d And the cover is red. Fucking red. This book is called Shadow of the Demon Lord, and it is by Robert J. Schwalb. Um, by Schwalb Entertainment. So fuck, clearly he's he he runs the whole show. He wrote it, and he's publishing it. Fucking Robert Schwalb is a genius. I have said so on this show before. I'll probably say so again. I hit that guy up on Facebook all the time trying to say nice stuff to that dude. He ignores me. He does not give a fuck. He is like has single-minded focus on writing horror content for fantasy games. And that's what this is. This game, Shadow of the Demon Lord, the Schwab, kickstarted in, I guess, like 2015 or something after he had been on the 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons design team. And then he decided, you know what, I'm going to write my own fucking game. And so he uh, he put this thing out, and it's pretty fucking great. What do you what do you think, Adam? What, what are your thoughts? Oh, I guess we should describe it, huh? We should describe it. We describe should, we the should other do a little ones. description like we did on the other ones. So Schwab Entertainment, $49.95. Uh, again, full color, glossy, hardcover. And this this comes in at the at a, 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 a sprightly 270 pages. And that's an easy breezy read compared to every other thing we've posted up today. Um, it is also, I think, probably going to be the read that is the most 
on some level sort of weirdly interesting of all the books. Because what we said previously was we were going to start off with those that were closest to D&D, and we were going to get further and further away until we get to things that are the most remote. And this game is by far the most remote. The, the preconceived notion of the setting that is baked into this book is that you live in a generic fantasy land that is on the precipice of annihilation by... Um, the Demon Lord. The Demon Lord, an extra-dimensional being dedicated to evil and destruction that is like absorbing physical reality all around you. So fairly chthonic right off the um, bat. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily chthonic. What's interesting is when you read his uh, uh, preface and his introduction, mm-hmm. he talks about how he got started uh, really in role-playing, playing, playing um, Warhammer Fantasy role-play, which mm-hmm. is an interesting corollary. Right. And if you look at this game, it is really kind of his love letter to that idea. There is like a bunch of kind of like, you know, nerglings, but without, with like the TM like filed off, you know, um, there's, there's a lot, there's this kind of like, uh, overwhelming idea of like hidden cults that are worshiping these demon creatures that have created fissures in reality and that are causing this demonic incursion. Uh, I think that the idea is, in a certain sense, that uh, this is his idea of the game if Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay was, like, further along in the timeline, that, like, reality was decomposing. Yeah, chaos was was essentially kicking order's ass. Chaos Ascendant slash Triumphant. And here we have... Like, what is it? The cultist hold, ah. with the knife holding the baby. Oh, it's a baby. It's a baby. Very. It's a little tiny newborn infant baby. It's about to get wrecked. So, so this game kind of feels like if somebody was writing a, uh, a fantasy role-playing game after they had watched like all the Hellraiser movies. And I'm not talking about just the theatrical releases. I'm talking also about the straight-to-video ones. So I'm going to say that like there are a number of ideas in here that are incredibly compelling and that really work. And then there's a few that I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like the the part of the thing that differentiates this game is there's a lot of interesting uh, character species that you can play. You get your elf and you get your dwarf. You also get a goblin, which is like fucking cool as shit. Um, but you get this thing called a clockwork. This is a little steampunky for me. I'm not loving it. They're kind of like much. the Warforged from D and D, right? Yeah, they're kind of like these robots that have like a bunch of clockwork shit kind of mm-hmm. sticking out of them. <clears throat> now, some of the drawings of them make them look kind of like those, like you know, 40k kind of Adeptus Mechanicus weird, weird robots. Right. I still don't know how much I love it. Um, is there an elf in here? Maybe I was wrong about the elf. I don't think there's an elf. Uh, there's an orc. You can play an orc, a goblin, uh, one of these clockwork things. You can. You got your human. You get this thing called a changeling, which is kind of cool. It's like a, it's like a, it's a fairy that has replaced a kid, just yeah. like in uh, Changeling the Lost. The Lost yeah. Um, your fetch, right? The thing that replaces you. Yep, your neck exactly. Game. So uh, a lot of page count in here is dedicated to the classes. Again, this is a class-based system, which I don't love, but it's yeah. also fairly prescriptive about how you advance. Incredibly. And that was why I was surprised you like it as much as you do, because it it just has that very much like. At level six, you're going to get this. At level nine, you're going to get this. Yeah. And then your options for progressing are these. Yep. You can become one of these two things to progress. Yep. 
then at that at level 12 you get this you know and so uh-huh. it's and it actually kind of breaks down the class advancement into the so what i do kind of like about it is that at, f- at your first few levels you're stuck playing one of four basic classes i really like that then those four basic classes branch out into sort of a myriad of like what you might call the traditional classes that you're kind of like more familiar with if you play these games a lot um, with some kind of more zesty stuff thrown in, yeah, like because it's like novice path, then expert path, right? Right. Then after that, you get access to these things called master paths that are very much, on some level, in my mind, kind of eye-rollingly like prestige classes from the old three point five. Definitely not in love with the master classes, and I, and I have to say, like, look, man. You're surprised that I like as much as I do. I'm kind of surprised, too, because it is deeply technical. It's a deeply, deeply technical book. Um, I think that on some level, that is the worst thing about it, that it's so technical, that that it is so prescriptive. Um, You can tell that he's writing for people who like that. Uh, I kind of don't. And that's maybe one of the reasons why I haven't run this yet. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of master paths. It's every jump up the chain you do you get far more options than you had in the previous one but this setting is so great and that's what i think really sells this is the setting um that's really what's going to bring people into the door like if if you look at shadow of the demon lord and you're going through it if you're into that like grim fatalist end of the world type of setting this is one of the few games I can think of that's doing it and doing it well sure. in the fantasy genre. Sure. This is not as kind of like grotesque and baroque and nihilistic as, say, Zazarkala, but this, <laughs> No. No, no. But this <laughs> we will, can talk a little about Zazarkala because we just recently we, ran and we, played that. We did just play that. Um but this will curl the toes of somebody who's like, role-playing seems cool. I like Matt Mercer. And you're like, come play Shadow of the Demon Lord with me, fool. You know, they will not They will not have fun. This is not what they're looking for. This is for. not heroic role-playing. No. You're, you're going to have, if you come into this thinking, I'm going to stop the Demon Lord, you're going to have a bad time. I mean, it Dude, does there's say no, There's that no that's, stopping the Demon Lord. Well, they you're say, not, it, they, you they say might. All right. You might be Anybody who runs this where you're stopping the Demon Lord, I think, is misunderstanding the point of the game. Kill yourself. Yeah, you're bad at you're bad at role playing, and you should do a different hobby. No, it's <laughs> if that's what you want to do, and you want high heroic, and you want to play that this way, that's fine. I yeah. would say that's not how I would run this or play. I'd it. say you're missing the point. I'd say we just discussed like at least two other games you could play, plus the aforementioned Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder. Right. There's plenty of games that do that. You have those, well. and those are great options. Yeah. This is a very brutal, dark kind of world. And mm-hmm. I love it. I think the yeah. art is cool. You oh. Know, it's so cool. <laughs> if Dark Eye gets criticized for being overwhelmingly white, this one probably you also know, these games should get all, the same. I mean, I'm criticism. looking at them, and they really all are, aren't yeah, they? They're they just all in, are. They're just intensely Eurocentric. Even Anglo even games. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay uh, is looking oh, through that. Even <laughs> Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a new edition, right? <laughs> yeah. You would think maybe they'd punch it up. No, they didn't. No. But that's a pro- that's a problem with. Games work. So that's why I did my Necromunda gang the way I did because I was just I was tired of seeing every time I'd sit down to play Warhammer. It's like oh yeah, here's my here's my you know Aryan army. And, right, you know, right. Okay, cool, I guess. Like uh, yeah, um, 
Now, there are a whole shit ton of uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord books you can collect. Um, I still only I have think, this one. I think that some of them are really fucking cool. The people don't stock them deep at the store, but some of them are really, really fucking cool. I think that Schwab has a problem with making really good covers because the covers of these books do not invite you in. The The graphic design on the front is, is not the best. But um, I still love the cover of this book. Just that big, this Nurgle type looking demon dude with yeah. his giant hammer and yeah. his cleaver with all the blood running yeah, off the chipped all, edges. He's got all this weird scarification. Like he's had all this like this ritual flesh removed from him, and he's like bleeding all over the place. And these and heroes are charging at him. He don't care. This game. Looks he's f- about to. He's about to ruin their day. This game just looks fucking sick, man. The thing is, is I know that if I ran it, I'd have like six guys that are like, I'm gonna play against type and do something a little bit different from what I usually do and play a clockwork please and get like fucking three clockworks in here and I'd be like you know what I quit quit no clockworks they're all dead no clockworks in my fucking game um and you could always start with that you're not allowed to play a clockwork yeah I suppose um there it's a cool game I like it yeah you know, if you're looking for yeah. something different it's a good choice. It's a would good way run, to go. Would run. Would uh, run. I would run this. I would run Woofurp. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Dark Eye is probably going to go on the shelf to be, you know, you know, brought out and kind of lovingly fondled every yeah. so often. Uh, I have run 13th Age, so. You've played in this, haven't you? Was that you that played in this? No, oh, I've not that, played Shadow of the Demon Lord. Was that Bailey that played in I this? I guess Ben. Yeah. I guess he, Ben's played that ben one. Ben played some of this at a Crit Hit 1 way back mm. in the day, but... Uh, uh, you know, we we asked him to come on the show today and talk about his thoughts, and he was like, "I don't have anything to contribute." So, all right, all right, Ben, fair enough, buddy. Um, so what do you think, dude? What What are your thoughts? Let's. Uh, what are your closing thoughts, buddy? Fantasy is a well-trod genre, and I mean, there are almost innumerable permutations on this. It, with these, we kind of delved into more deeply. There's Dungeon World, if you want something that's really narrative. There's Zasarkala, if you want something that's survival horror type of game, which I just recently ran at OrcCon, Orcon. and I will, we'll have to discuss that another time. We, we can will. discuss that game another time. We, did, we ran out of time to discuss it today. I will discuss that in the future, my experiences with it and running it, and uh, Brendan played in it, Heather played in it, and mm-hmm. uh, Mark, uh, Mark Kelly played Mark in it. Mark Kelly played in it. What up? What's up, Mark Kelly? So, yeah, it was a good time. Um, yeah, there is a ton out there. Don't feel constrained by D&D and Pathfinder. Don't feel like, you know, those are the big names, so you have to play them. Take a look at these other games. See if there's something in there that you like. You know, even take a look at Dark Eye if you find an unshrinked copy that you want to look through. You know? <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> I, I hate when they shrink wrap games. It's, it's one of the things I think Vampire the Masquerade blew on the new edition. Terrible they idea. shrink wrapped it. Don't shrink So you can't pick games, it up kids. and you can't flip through it. I still don't own a copy. If you're going to put your game on a store shelf, if you hope to see your game on a store shelf and you're developing a game, don't put it in shrink wrap, dog, mm-hmm. because... And Vampire, they had to because they put codes for the PDF. If you didn't yeah. shrink wrap it, you know people what? would just get the PDF codes out of them. You but know what? We're, we're on a little long. I could sit here and tell you why that was not a sufficient excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, here's, here's the thing, man. Brick-and-mortar stores sell games. If your game is there on the shelf and there's some nerd like me who just haunts these fucking places and they're standing there next to a dude... And I see you, you know, flipping through a game, and I go, "Yeah, bro, that one's good. That one, that's a good one." 
and you're looking at it and you see a cool picture, you're so much more likely to buy it. If it's just some fucking unknown quantity in a goddamn poly bag, it's just going to sit there on the shelf for fucking ever. And that was the thing with low fantasy gaming and some of the other ones. I had actually play in a game that someone else bought before I went out and got a copy of it because mm. I can't look at that. It's mm. it's on a web. It's on Lulu. I can look at yo. it on Lulu, but I can't do anything with it. Gamers sell games, yo. Gamers sell games. Make it easy for people to get your games into the hands of gamers. All right. Well, you know what? We're running out of time. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you for listening to this latest episode of Full Mill RPG. We got the Out of Order 64th episode uh, available for you to listen to. Check your stream. And then we got a much, much belated uh, um, uh, interview with uh, Red Moon Role Playing that I'm posting up as well. So please do check that out. Uh, take your time. Get all caught up. Thank you for listening. Adam, do you want to do the thing? Sure. Full Metal RPG is sponsored by Game Depot in Tempe, Arizona. If you need games, stop in at Game Depot. Tell them we sent you. What up? We're also sponsored by Zalta Funeral. We love those guys. Check out their store. They got great merch. They got a ton of off-the-beaten-path role-playing games, OSR stuff, uh, things you won't find anywhere else. Check them out. Go through their store. They got cool shirts. They got cool merch. So many great projects out of Exalted Funeral right yeah. now. It's like literally, I can't, I can't keep up with all the cool sick shit that they're doing. They, they are going to be becoming a force in. Uh, They've got a Kickstarter going right now. Publishing, yeah. They blew through Witchburner. Yeah, in like an hour. Yeah, they're doing amazing stuff over there. So check them out. You can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud. You can find us on Facebook, Full Metal RPG. Look us up Instagram at Full Metal RPG. We have a Twitter. Look for Full Metal RPG. I'm not exactly sure what our full handle is on the Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Type in Brendan Carrion. Just yeah. look for Brendan Carrion. You'll find it that way. Yeah. It's, it's not Full Metal RPG. Yeah. It's something else. Something, uh, some other damn thing. As always, the website, FullMetalRPG.com. Find us there. You can email us, FullMetalRPGOfficial at gmail.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or Facebook. Either of those are fine. There's a, there are a myriad of ways to reach us. So many ways. If you want to send a snail mail, we don't have that yet. But, yeah, fuck um, that. Yeah, sorry. You're not going to be able to do that. And that'll about do it for this episode. I want to thank you all for joining us. We hope you gleaned something from our delve into fantasy role-playing titles. We hope that we've inspired you to go out and buy more books for your collection <laughs> yeah. or... <laughs> or just uh, you know or run the games if you've got them run games that's what they're for games are meant to be run so thank you again as always good night have a good night <laughs>